I'm Harry Schwartz with my co-host Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we're talking USA Women's Basketball National Team. show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w uh a quick quick uh comment a a uh correction to our last podcast episode elena iguapova is still signed by the sparks i know last episode with gabe we spoke about her and how she deserves another chance in the w to be clear she was signed by the la sparks we misread uh some of the information um, and it is a fact that she's still under Sparks' rights, which means that she could be coming over this next season. Uh, obviously, this gets into the very confusing rosters um, and, and all the information that goes into it. And sometimes a WNBA team can sign a player and hold their rights for whenever they are ready to come over to the league. She did not come over. I repeat, she did not come over last season. All right. Let's move on to this episode. Rachel, nice to have you back on the show. I'm so happy to be here. How are you doing, my friend? Honestly, I'm, I'm a little shook. And I'm, I'm happy we're doing this uh, this USA basketball topic. I know it's kind of out of our wheelhouse. Um, it is WNBA players, so I think we're totally fine doing it. Um, and, you know, you've played college ball, so you can talk from that side of things. But as we all know, the biggest news story of recent history since the Washington Mystics won the WNBA Finals 2019 is the USA women's national basketball team short of many of their stars true but still all professionals in the league loss to the Oregon Ducks yeah I I'm speechless <laughs> I mean I are, are you asking me my take on it because you know, I, honestly, I, I think it's amazing. I think it's fantastic. I think uh, th- there's no doubt in my mind that Oregon's the number one team in the country in terms of college basketball, which everybody knows I follow I follow vigorously. Um, you know, we could talk about Sabrina Ionescu. We could go down their entire roster, um, maybe even just the young talent that's come in. And, and we're going to be talking about for years to come. Um, but, but, but I'm not surprised that Oregon won. Um, I, I'm not alarmed by any stretch that, you know, USA lost. I don't think it's a huge black eye. I don't think it's anything to be alarmed about. You know, they, they started, they, they started this, back up, you know, this whole, uh, collegiate exhibition thing. They, they had kind of stopped it for a few years. And, um, this was the hope, you know, when the committee and, and Dawn Staley and her staff kind of got this going again, was to really test Team USA, and and we're extremely early in this process. Obviously, the Olympics is is the end goal to win a, another gold medal. Um, but there's still a lot, so many moving parts to this. And I, I think for me, you've already mentioned it. The fact that we are missing, you know, Elena Deladon, Asia Wilson. We could keep going down the line of certain players who were not present in this uh, 2019 preseason um, collegiate exhibition, if you will. Um, but they also, you know, they they played four games in like, what was it, seven or eight days. 
Um, and it was something crazy. Something like that. You know, like, like the travel on that is exhausting. Um, you've got some players on there who are still getting their legs underneath them and Diana Tarazi and Sue Bird. Um, and, you know, you have a team that really hasn't had a ton of time to practice together. And, and that just really does go to show you. And I, this has been one thing, and I'm not, people aren't going to like that I say this, but there are some aspects of um, just my own preference in terms of watching women's basketball. You do see an appreciation for the, the collegiate game because these teams, have so much time to um, in, in the preseason, in the off season, you know, uh, they're practicing a month before their first game and there is a bit of cohesion there and, and they're starting to um, gel a little bit. And then you face a team like Oregon that is a veteran led team by the best player in the country and Sabrina Unescu. And, and so they've had a ton of time together. And I think in some ways college basketball, in my opinion, can at the highest levels look better than certain WNBA team at times. Now, <laughs> I'm not saying it's better than WNBA teams. I, I think if anyone doesn't understand what I'm saying, feel free to have a conversation with me. I just think it's very difficult for these WNBA players, let alone, you know, a, a Team USA who, who gets very little time together to have any continuity um, as you're continuing to build chemistry. And so us being this early in the process, um, of, of, you know, just, just the team getting, getting their legs back underneath them, getting time to practice together. Um, you know, the fact that it's November and we're competing for, you know, a gold medal months from now is a good thing. I think, I think they were tested in all the ways that they, they hope to be tested. Um, I think it probably revealed some things that needed to be revealed. And in the long run, we're going to look back on this, um, and probably be thankful. Like, like Sue, Sue Bird said it perfectly. You know, you're never too old to learn lessons, and this is a, a lesson that they needed to take with them. But it, but the, in my in my mind, it, in the long run, this is going to be a good thing. I, I completely agree with you, and, and this has been something I've complained about for so long. And this is honestly just a complaint to the W because you need to give the players an actual training camp. Like the WNBA training camp is a joke. Just a joke. Um, and no, like, I, I completely get what you're saying. Like, we, we've talked about this for years now where, you know, the collegiate basketball teams spend months working on their style of play. And individual teams truly have a unique style. As in the W, yes, teams have a unique style, but it's a lot more rushed and it's not as smooth. Like, that's why later in the season, it's so, like, you'll really see growth of these teams. Absolutely. Because the first half... Again, I I always get crap for, you know, eight games into the season. I'm like, oh, we're basically, uh, you know, a third of the way through the season. And everybody's like, or fourth of the way through the season or whatever. And like, everyone's freaking out at me. Like, you got to calm down. You got to calm down. And I get it. I understand that essentially the first quarter or the first third of the season is training camp for these WNBA players. That being said, we are talking about a professional basketball league. Um, they started off winning USA Basketball. They were looking good uh, against multiple teams but this loss to the ducks irked me and the reason it irked me rachel and i'm sure we're not going to agree on this like we always do <laughs> is i take this more so as a blemish to the WNBA than it is to usa basketball and the reason i say that is because the roster that was there for that game was not a representation of usa basketball in my opinion like you said, they're missing Elena Deladon. 
You have like half the roster coming back from injury. You're you're honestly missing the young stars too. Asia Wilson, Diamond DeShields, uh, Arike Gumbawale. Like you're missing key players. And I'm not even talking about the vet key players that we're missing. Um, but when you put a roster together that has WNBA players, and honestly, the first name that comes to mind, Alicia Gray, um, that is just troublesome. First of all, I got some questions. Why was Alicia Gray stuck on UNESCO so much? So, like, I'm a fan of Alicia Gray. Was proud she won Rookie of the Year a couple of years back. Think, you know, she's kind of had a sophomore slump, is, is kind of slumping a little bit. But, I, like, I don't view her as a lockdown defender or someone who's going to intimidate the best player in college women's basketball. Well, I feel like for me, and, and I definitely hear what you're saying, um, I think it, grand scheme of things we have to keep in mind, this is an exhibition. Um, you know, you, you, you want to believe that every player out on that court is a competitor and they don't want to lose the game. You know, Oregon certainly showed that. I thought we saw signs of Team USA showing that in moments, but when they lost that momentum and that place was rocking, like it was over. Um, the, the part that was alarming to me and I was frustrated with um, was was the on ball defense, um, and even at times that backside defense. I mean, there, there were moments where um, certain players, Gray, I can think of an instance w- was blown by, and Oregon goes and lays it up. Instances and, and there, yeah, instances. Uh, UNESCO in particular goes and lays it up, and like I remember the backside rotation. I can't remember which player it was, but didn't even like slide over to contest the shot. It was like. It was just given up. Um, and so I look at that and I either think, okay, one, we're undisciplined. Or two, you know, um, there's a lack of communication, a lack of understanding. Or three, we're trying to just save our legs and not get hurt in an exhibition. Well, so that was kind of my question of, and honestly, like, I, I want your take as a player, former coach, and fan on this. Um, so get three hats ready. Um <laughs> My question is, how much of this looking at the game? Because I looked at it much more so, not a, like, I think, like, all right, let me put it this way. When my biggest concern is that you're talking about professional players, these WNBA players, the USA basketball team, everyone on it plays professionally. You will not be able to say the same for that Oregon Duck roster. So my thing is, like, that's what the concern is, is of, like, that's why I think it's a blemish on the W that they lost because you're talking about even, you know, even if it's not the greatest WNBA player, they're losing to players that aren't even going to make the W realistically. Then I look at it and I go, I, I, I have trouble believing what I saw. So could it be or how much of the loss is because, you know, you have half your roster coming back from injury. You have half your roster who is coming back from injury and playing in this game pretty old, you know, past their prime, um, not in the greatest shape of their lives. And at what point is it kind of them going like, if we're going to win this game, it's going to come by the way we want it to come. And if we're going to lose the game, it's going to be because they're going to play like this is the NCAA tournament and we're playing like it's an exhibition. Yeah. Well, it's hard to gauge, you know, when you're not in the locker room, you're you're not in their minds. But I think there were certain plays where you saw high levels of competitiveness. And then you had plays like the ones I was just talking about where, you know, you're not even sliding over to contest a shot. To me, that that shot 
that that non-contest speaks volumes to well let me save myself I I don't want to I don't want to you know, kind of like this, oh, this is an exhibition type of mentality. And I'm not speaking for every, t- every person on Team USA. I'm talking about that, that specific, specific instance that I saw. I think for me, the biggest difference between the Oregon Ducks and Team USA is, is about a chemistry issue. You know, that there, there are tons of teams at the NCAA level who are playing with a ton of chemistry, players that have been together for a long time. Even though it's early in the season, they've been, they've been at it all summer, all fall, here we are. Um, Team USA, you know, everyone's starting to get together. People are still missing. You know, it's hodgepodge. So so that that, that on-court chemistry, that on-court um, teaching, you know, how much film has even been able to be watched of this team? You know, these women are still getting accustomed to playing together, um, even those who aren't even going to be in the Olympics. So I, that for me, that's the biggest thing. Um, as opposed to kind of what you're saying, you know, am I not going to compete? Am I going to hold back? I just think a lot of this falls on the issue of chemistry um, and getting your legs back underneath you, honestly. A question that was on everyone's mind, how worried are you after this loss for their uh, record setting, soon hopefully to be, uh, seven gold medals in a row? How worried are you? I'm not worried at all. I mean, you know, it's going to be great. I think women's basketball as a whole across the globe is continuing to improve. Um, I, I get the honor to be able to witness that firsthand a lot of times. Um, you know, Australia is always going to be extremely talented. Spain is. I was going to say, is your is your girl Liz Cambage sitting there licking her chops going, hey, if Oregon can beat them. Come on, Opals, we can do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the Australia in particular is always kind of definitely vying for the United States. Um, but but the, but they, they know as well that, you know, who, who was missing from that roster and, and that it's a November exhibition game. And this is something that hasn't been done in a while. Four games in eight days. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of moving parts to this. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's a reminder to Team USA that, like, yeah, you're not invincible. Um, not that I'm, I'm in, insinuating any of them believe that, uh, but yeah, you can be beat. You know, we've lost before. Um, this is a big Olympics. Um, some new players and some and some some icons who this is their last go around. And so, having your mind in the right place and being prepared the right way um, is extremely important, uh, especially as we talk about Sue Bird and Diana Tarazi. But you know, the good news is, is you know, they're they're in Argentina now. Thank God they finally made it safe. Um, that, that this will be a great, um, few days starting tomorrow, um, 14th for those of you who are listening, uh, to start, you know, that, that, that next phase of preparation. Um, and then it was announced at the beginning of uh, 2020 in January and February that they're going to face UConn and Louisville, which is going to be another tremendous collegiate test for, for team USA. So, um, I, I'm not worried about the gold. I always have a ton of confidence in the United States and our basketball ability. I, I, I think most would agree we are the greatest in the world, but you still have to bring it. You, you have to compete night in and night out. And what is it that makes us the greatest in the world? And, and it comes with that level of competition. It comes with that discipline and it comes with chemistry. Well, so tell the fans real quick, who are some players, like, Every game so far, there's been one player on the collegiate teams that has gone off for like 25, 30 points. Who on UConn or on Louisville, I said it right, um, are those players that you're kind of like, oh, they might go off? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, when it comes to Louisville, 
uh, kind of a revamped roster from kind of what we've seen in recent years, but they've got a big time transfer from Georgia Tech and Elizabeth Balligan. She's really talented, kind of kind of uh, got that scoring edge to her. She can really rebound the basketball, really athletic. And I, I, I personally am a fan of Dana Evans. She's a really dynamic guard for Louisville who can, you know, when she's on, she's got the ability to really fill it up. Um, so, you know, the, you know, a lot of different um, players on Louisville that as it's early in the season for them, we're going to kind of have to see who steps up and fill some of those roles. Um, for Connecticut, you know, Kristen, Kristen Williams, uh, still young, but my God, she, she's coming off a huge start with UConn, just dropped 24 points the other night. Um, she's, uh, she's going to have a big year. She's kind of that, the, the next up and coming big name uh, for UConn, if you will, Crystal Crystal Dangerfield, you know, such a such a great player we've talked about for years. So, um, you know, just just those are some ones that I think are really going to test Team USA. I don't know that, you know, I think Gino coaching against some of his former greats is going to be really fun. Um, he can kind of challenge them in a way that, you know, maybe they haven't been challenged from Texas A&M or even from Oregon. So I think that's the most interesting aspect for the Connecticut matchup, as opposed to like, who are some players that could really cause some issues or the fact that they're going against their former coach. Um, that's exciting. And Louisville has never played Team USA um, in the past when they used to do these exhibitions. And, you know, that, that's the Yum Center in, in Louisville is uh, one of the most exciting venues in sports. They pack that place. I've been there multiple times. They pack that place night in and night out. The fan base in, in Louisville is absolutely, you know, outstanding from that that aspect. So I know that that, that atmosphere is going to be extremely challenging for them. Um, and Louisville's always coached extremely well by Jeff Walls. You know, they they, they, they can always score it. They, they really push the pace. They're disciplined. And, and they're going to test Team USA in ways that they haven't been. I might even try to get to that one because that one's going to be uh, that exciting. But those are going to be two tests, and, and, and they're going to be tested in different ways in which they were in these four uh, fall exhibition games. Now, for all the talk that we've had about this USA women's basketball team not succeeding, um, and you know me, I hate men's basketball. <laughs> I don't like to cover. I don't like to compare. <laughs> but I will say, no, honestly, like, typically men's basketball is just like, oh, we'll play defense in the last two minutes, and we'll dunk it a bunch, and oh, my God, cool. Whatever. Um, not not my personal take. Whatever. Point is, let me just remind you of the USA men's basketball record in FIBA this past uh, summer when they didn't even make it to the semis or the quarters. So slow your roll when you're trying to use this to hate on women's basketball. <laughs> now moving on. Um, we've talked about a blemish, but something that got a lot of attention a few years back, um, and every once in a while it kind of gets back up in, in, in the world of women's basketball in USA, is is this kind of a, a, a karma spitting in the face of women's basketball for not paving the way for the new age of players to come in? Yeah, yes, we've talked about, you know, Diamond Shields, Asia Wilson, um, and, and a variety of other young players. But typically in the point guard position and in a variety of other positions, USA Women's Basketball has not paved the way for the new age of players to come. Do you think that this maybe could be a wake-up call or slash kind of a slap to the face because of this? I, I don't know that. I don't know that wake-up call or slap in the face. Those are pretty harsh terms in my book. Um 
there's no doubt that we are in a transitional period with USA basketball, you know, with, with Sue Bird and Dana Taurasi, um, this being their last Olympics, you would assume, um, there's no doubt that we are in a definitely in the changing of the guard. Um, and I think, um, what, what does that next future look like? Um, yeah, you've got Elena Deladon, but she's been in, she, she, you know, it's not like she's, you know, she's, she's, she's 30 now. Um, you've got Skylar Diggins. Um, and so we can't really talk about them in a way of which they're this next generation. We need to talk about, like you said, who's beyond that? What, what is that next um, kind of wave that's coming through? So, I mean, I, although I hear what you're saying, and I do think that um, that conversation is being had across the board of coaches and committee members, whatever it may be, um, as to kind of like, what's the best fit here? Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, has anyone thought about the idea of like, is Sabrina Ionescu going to make a roster spot for these Olympics? I mean, that that's, that's the no, question. I mean, I, I, I don't know if, if not that I have any idea whatsoever, how these decisions are made and what they talk about, how, whatever. But I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, forget the hype around her. You know, I, I I've been able to watch her since she was in high school and, and how she's evolved. I mean, she is a, one of the highest level competitors coming into this next generation, um, and, and, and teammates, um, and, and leaders on the floor, how do you not, um, look at someone like UNESCO and, and look at kind of these other names that are on the roster going like, well, I, I, I would absolutely make that change. So I think, you know, it's still so early on, uh, what, what is that final roster going to look like, uh, that's heading over there? You know, in 2020, um, a lot's to be said about that. But you're exactly right. You know, that we have got to find a way. We have got to continue the conversation of developing this next generation. Oh, it's it's a must. And also, you know, there's going to be some superstar from the W who's going to be pissed <laughs> off when they're kind of putting their play. Because let's be real. If you're making USA basketball, you're the superstar in the team you're coming from. And you're probably been the superstar your whole life. And you're about to get booted for a college yeah, player, yeah. and that's I mean, got to and, and that's that's the nature of the beast. You know, we're we're talking about one team, um, and there are so many. You know, we talk about making a roster spot in the WBA is difficult. I mean, talk about making a ro- team USA roster. I mean, let's. I mean, you know, you can't just look at it skill for skill. You know, you have to put players together who work well together. There's a chemistry aspect of it. There's a leadership aspect. You have to bring in players who are willing to accept four or five minutes a game, you know, who are who are starters on a WNBA program. You know, so there there is such a mental aspect of this, of putting a group of women together who have the mentality and, and the, um, I don't know what the right word is, but, you know, selflessness and, and all of that to accept roles that is different than what they are used to having. That That's a challenge. That's a huge challenge for, for these, this, this committee, uh, for the coaching staff. And people get upset about it. You know, it's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, and everyone's got an opinion. And, and that's the beauty of it. At the end of the day, we all could have our opinion of who we think is better than another, who should be on this roster, who, you know, who should be going to Tokyo or not. But, um, we all know at the end of the day, you know, we have to have the support of that coaching staff. We have to have the support of that committee that they see what's going on in practice day in and day out. They know the conversations being had amongst these teams. Um, and it goes far beyond just skill or name notoriety. Um, there, there's a meticulous um, um, 
meticulous decisions being made day in and day out as to what is the best group of women who can work together to give us the best chance of securing that gold medal. Um, when you said we know, I thought you were going to be like, that Candace Parker will not play for this team. <laughs> uh, that's um, going unsaid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, and then I'll let you, I'll let you go, Rachel. Um, this, is a, this is an interesting game that I don't think has been tackled from this direction, which is this is so different, the mindset, than a season game. And it's so different than the mindset of a preseason game when you're talking about, you know, typical WNBA or overseas or whatever you want to call it. How you, I mean, like you can't, the, I don't know. I'm going to probably say this wrong. So I hope you, we've known each other long enough that you're going to get me. I hope the listeners get me too, but it's hard because you can't just come back next game and play better. It, when you're in a season, you can go, wow, we lost that game bad. We need to come out guns blazing for the next game and show the work, like show the league. We mean business. And that was a fluke. How do you bounce back and recover from this knowing that, like, you guys just had the first loss in, what, like 40-some years to a college team? You're not going to get a chance to play that college team again. So, like, I, I, I don't know. Talk well, to me as a player. First a player. off, it was 20 years. Um, they <laughs> they right, lost fine. to Tennessee. Um, and I think in terms of bouncing back, you know, you have such leadership on this team and super to Diana Tarazi. And you could see them smiling after the game. And it was almost like a sense of like that you knew they were pissed. Um, but at the same time, the, they're, they're mature enough and they're seasoned enough and they're veteran enough to step back at the big picture of this and just kind of say, all right, wow, you know, you got us, you, you got us. Um, and there's a lot we can learn from this, even though behind that smile, I know the competitor in them is just like gripping. Um, I think, that game, along with the three prior to that, gives an opportunity for Team USA to get in the film room, gives an opportunity to continue to talk about execution on both ends of the floor. Um, and, and whether you win or when, whether you win or lose, it, it's creating a sense of chemistry that this team needs. And so is, uh, you know, these next four days in Argentina, you're going to continue to build off that. But um, there's a process to this. You know, th there were no Olympic gold medals handed out after that game, after that Oregon game. You know? Oh, wait a second. Wait, Team USA didn't have to turn over all their medals. <laughs> but that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Like there 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 was not an Olympic gold medal war won that day. So this is a team that is constantly fluid, constantly evolving, constantly learning and growing, and they're going to through the rest of this winter into the spring, into the early part of the summer. Um, the, the, the ultimate goal is, is that gold medal. So there we're early in their, in their stage here. So yeah, you could beat yourself up. You might be a little bit humiliated. You lost to a college team. You might think, Hey, at the end of the, end of the day, it's good for women's basketball. Uh, but what can we learn from it? Um, don't dwell on it and let's turn the page and let's focus on now this trip to Argentina and, and, and getting better, you know, and, and looking at this, you know, those, those four college games that lost to Oregon. And then now looking at this stretch in Argentina and just taking that next step. And, and I think as an athlete, as a coaching staff, that's everything that's being preached. Um, you know, you can't hold on to a loss. If you're holding on to a loss, you're, you're limiting your progression. Well, so it, uh, it's sorry to, I know I said one last question, but now I need to do one follow-up. Is it, is this, you know, I'm sure you've experienced every player has in no matter what level you've been on has experienced me. All right. Sorry. 
Brianna Stewart and Maya Moore probably haven't experienced this. Um, but th- it happens at some point where you lose to a team you shouldn't lose to, and you know it. Is this that much different than that type of situation? It might be. You know, I, it's hard for me to answer that question when I'm not in their shoes. I've never played on Team USA. I've never even been in the in the WNBA. So um, I, I do think that there is probably an element of that, of a little bit of embarrassment, um, a little bit of like just, you know, b- being upset that like that that happened. Um, and it, you know, and, and, and I don't even know how much Sue Bird or Diana Taurasi have really experienced those moments. I mean, yeah, they've lost games in the WNBA, but they certainly didn't lose a lot in college. Um, and so you're talking about the best in the world losing to a college team. I'm sure there is some of that that is there. But like I said, if you dwell on that, if you focus on that, um, if you let any form of negativity or whatever kind of enter your headspace, you're just holding yourself back. And, and, and every woman on that roster, that, that Team USA roster, understands that or else they wouldn't be on that <laughs> they wouldn't be on the roster uh competing for a gold medal so um i just think you, sometimes you take an l you take an l that's not that fun um and and what can you learn from it and any true elite athlete competitor any true ch- any true champion understands that and i guarantee that's what they're doing well rachel as always i appreciate your time and as always we believe the players of the w and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. Please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us in the hard work that we do. There is no off-season for the WNBA players, so there's no off-season for Windsider, where it's all about the W. <laughs>